Hello everyone, welcome to All Fighters Follow Me, a series by and for players of Star Wars Armada. I'm Moff Ted. And I'm Senator Faith. Today we are joined by Baron Andy on the command bridge. Andy, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. So Andy is a very squadron-focused player in our meta. Um, and so Andy, what are we looking at today with you? So we're going over the Quasar. We're going to go over... One of the Quasar's favorite commanders, Admiral Sloan, and we're going to be going over some TIE Interceptors. Sounds good. I do like TIE Interceptors, though I usually run TIE Fighters more often. Saves a couple points, gets me some more deployments, but the firepower is hard to beat. I don't see the Quasar being played that often nowadays, at least in our larger community. What is it about it that you like the most? When I started flying the Quasar, I really wanted to play a fleet like you see in the movies, with just a big swarm of TIE fighters, TIE interceptors. Um, I, at the time, a lot of the meta was really TIE bomber heavy, and I really just wanted to play TIE fighters. And the Quasar was such a really good squadron pusher that I was drawn to it. Yeah, looking at its card, it has both varieties have four squadron in there, in the 60 to mid-50 point range, which is pretty affordable for that many squad commands. Oh yeah, that is a lot of squadrons. Four. And I like that it does have some dice armaments out the front and the side, so it's capable of defending itself, unlike a Gazanti, which is The one-in-one. Yeah. Yeah, the, I, I, was, I found it very interesting that the Quasar actually has identical dice armament to a uh, Krillian Corvette. On a medium base frame. On a medium base frame, yeah, but... Squadron 4, Andy. Yeah, it even has the same shields. It's basically just an overgrown CR-90 that throws TIE Interceptors at you. So, Andy, what makes it good at doing squadron commands beyond just having a high squadron value? So, some of the upgrade slots on the Quasar, both of them have that offensive retrofit slot. Um, the Quasar 1 has two of them, the Quasar 2 has one of them. Um... And that allows you to put on something like expanded hangar bays or boosted comms that make the fighter commands that much more potent. You're either, you're either throwing one more squadron or you can command them from a further range. Uh, one other thing is that it, you really get to use the squadron commands a lot. Um, and even sometimes when you don't have a squadron command on the dial, you can use something like the pursuant title, which lets you uh, use a squadron command even if you're not revealing a squadron dial to navigate to get out of danger, and also still be able to throw that squadron command out there. Yeah, being able to double command is a, is a powerful ability, and I know there's some other um, ways that we can do that that we'll talk about later. How about for... We have a weapons team. What kind of weapons teams do you like to throw on it? I know I'm always partial to flight controllers. Yeah, flight controllers tends to be my go-to. I've tried flight or tried build with the Quasar 2 using uh, Ruthless Strategists, although I don't tend to use TIE Interceptors as much there because, because Ruthless Strategist requires um, hull to use. Um, from your squadron. From your squadron, exactly, yeah. yes, sorry. Yeah, those are the two ones I primarily use. I had, I had thought for a long time about trying a Gunnery Team's Quasar 2 with Ruthless Strategists, but it's a little bit too much of a points investment for me. <laughs> well, and for not a lot of... I mean, two reds and a blue isn't terrible... But it's not something we're going to invest seven points in to, to get a shot out of, especially with no weapons up. Exactly. Up upgrades. And no ability to reroll the reds. Yeah. And I, I was also going to say, usually when I look at a ship that I want to have pushing squadrons, if it doesn't have an offensive retrofit, it can't take either boosted comms or expanded hangar bays, I 
usually start looking somewhere else. Yeah, generally. Gazantes, Quasars. So what kind of commander do you like to run with this? There's pretty much only one answer for that, and that's Admiral Sloan. She's the ultimate fighter commander, and she just ups the rest of your fleet by having good fighters. Her ability is... While a friendly squadron without rogue is attacking, it may spend one die with an accuracy icon to choose and and spend one of the defender's defense tokens while attacking a ship. It may also reroll one die with a critical icon. Oh, that's evil. It's it's quite potent. I know I've been on the receiving end of Andy's Sloan lists. I lost count. Too many times. High high dozens. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, And that ability to put down defense tokens, which squadrons are already decent at dealing with. Yeah, that reroll ability and the ability to strip defense tokens really makes what was previously before Sloan came out a pretty one-dimensional fighter screen, one that could only really fight enemy fighters, into an all-around wing that can threaten both fighters and ships. And the Imperials being so focused with their squadrons, you know, you got TIE Bombers, which are only good at bombing. You have TIE Advance, which are only good at taking hits, really. Um, Then you have TIE Fighters and Interceptors, which just deal out damage and get in the way. And I talked a little bit about TIE Fighters last week, but Andy, do you want to detail TIE Interceptors? Yeah, so one of the big things with TIE Interceptors is their incredible anti-squadron potency. They're They're fragile against ships, they're fragile in general. But if you need to take out a target, they can take out that target. And they are fast. They are incredibly fast. At speed 5, they can get they they can get where you need them to go. Well, and the Quasar can get them going even further, right? Yeah, with uh, the Squall title, let's move distance 2 while unengaged, and then distance 5 on top of that. So you can move at basically distance 7 to attack a target if you need to. I'm usually okay with my TIE Fighters at 4, but 7 is pretty impressive. Yeah, one of the other things that lets uh, TIE Interceptors be so threatening against uh, squadrons is if you combine them, like I've, like I've said before, there's the Flight Controllers upgrade, which is pretty much paired with the Quasar, and also the, uh, the Howlrunner squadron. So you can effectively throw six blue dice at a target. That can be two accuracies and four damage to kill any scatter race. That can be six damage, just attack a, a generic squadron. You have a lot of anti-squadron firepower there. Right, and the, they're getting that from Hellrunner gives Swarm Squadrons an extra blue die, and Flight Controllers gives all squadrons they command an extra blue die. Yes. And I know that I like Flight Controllers on TIE Fighters, but once you really start jumping up into the 6 range with uh, Interceptors, it, it starts chewing up enemy squads really fast. Generally speaking, you can chew them up in a single round if you get the, the rolls right, depending on the size of the fighter screen. Yeah, Sloane can really just demolish the other person's, you know, small fighter wing. I know if I ever play a really small squadron wing, where maybe I just have Shara and Tycho, their scatters just get dissolved by Sloane. It's the kind of thing where one or two attacks, I mean, if I roll up and I roll three damage on you in an accuracy, and you have both event, the accuracy flips your scatter... You have to brace, you've taken two damage, and both of your tokens are spent now. It's a really scary combo, or amount of damage. Yeah, and it's... I find it especially terrible for scatter aces because they tend to have a lower hull and really rely on those scatters to keep them alive against attacks. I've had Sienna Ree, who we talked about last week, given obstructed, taking 
five dice, they get two accuracies, three hits, and then she just gets disappeared by an interceptor. Often Saber Squadron. Yeah, Saber Squadron gets to avoid the counter as well, because Saber Squadron has um, the ability Snipe 4, so it can attack squadrons at distance 2 with their anti-squadron armament of four blue dice, uh, unless they are engaged by another squadron. Right, which it has instead of counter, which most interceptors have. Exactly. It still maintains swarm, still gets that reroll, still gets that ability to fish for an accuracy or a damage if you need it on the attack, but gains a little bit more in offensive power for what it loses in Counter-Strike. And Sloan is rather cheap for an Imperial commander, too. She's only 24 points. At 24 points, she's pretty easy to slot in points-wise. You still do have to have her with a bunch of squadrons to make her ability work. But she is a cheap admiral, yes. Do you have a minimum number of squadron points that you put into a Sloan list? I think the smallest I've ever built would probably be in the high 70s, mid 80s. But generally speaking, Sloan is synonymous with 120 points or more of squadrons for me. Are there any other ships you'd like to pair with Sloan to maybe defend the Quasar? Or? Yeah, so I, I always played the it's an Imperial 3-ship build, which is an Imperial Star Destroyer, a Quasar 1, and a Gazati. Uh, the, the Star Destroyer sort of acts as a shield for the Quasar, which is standing behind it almost and throwing the squads out in front. Uh, I'll often pair that with the Avenger title, because the Avenger title, which you can exhaust to uh, prevent the defender from spending exhausted defense tokens. So if you get your Quasar to go first, you attack a ship, and you flip over their brace and one of their redirects, or their only redirect, depending on the ship. Uh, you then attack with the Star Destroyer, and you Avenger that, and they can't spend defense tokens. We had a very heavy um, Sloan 3-ship meta for a while there during Wave 6. Wave 6, early Wave 7, I remember, especially at that first regionals when, when Wave 7 dropped, it was, you know, 5, 10 out of 25 lists were some variation of Sloan, Quasar, Star Destroyer. Yeah. Then again, Wave 7 also dropped the day before the regionals, so people hadn't really found a way to... Um, expand into the wave yet. Exactly. But they were excited. They were very excited. I ran a Kuat. Anyway, uh, we'll get to Star Destroyers another time. You mentioned Gazantes, and I know that's something I talk about a little bit in my list last week, uh, that flotillas are something that are very common in the game as far as something to get more activations. You can get some squadron commands out of them. And for the Rebels, they don't really add much to combat, but they're very affordable, Imperials, they're a little more expensive, but every once in a while you get a concentrate fire on that single blue dice and you finish something off that your opponent was expecting to save. Yeah, frequently I, I, I've fallen to the trap of, oh, that's just a Gazanti, I'm not going to take any fire from there, and then it's three blue dice and a squadron or something. And Faith, you ran a combat refit GR75 with a rebel list once or twice, and I know that was a really rude surprise. Yes, I almost always have a flotilla in one of my lists because you get an extra activation and either you can do the basic one and have a whole lot of you know support cards on it and a lot of people don't run the combat ones but if I'm going to have just one and I want it to have at least a little bit of protection I might do the combat. As long as I have wiggle room in my points list. I did once 
finish off a Star Destroyer with my combat retrofit GR-75, and that was the proudest moment ever. I know it was my Star Destroyer. Yeah, you were so mad. <laughs> I have also had that happen to me. It, it was not fate, but I had the same thing happen. <laughs> you never know when you're going to need just that one more blue dice. So. So, so, Andy, what do you do to keep your quasars safe from ravaging Gazantes? <laughs> So one of the things that I like to do, my, my preferred Quasar build is uh, Pursuant Title, which we talked about gives you the, the squad command, uh, Skilled First Officer, uh, Flight Controllers, Boosted Comms, and Expanded Hangar Bays. And what I get to do with that ship, and it's, really, it's a really fun strategy for me, is sort of fly the Quasar along the side of the fight and use the Boosted Comms range to push the interceptors into the fight and stay as far away from the ships you're attacking as possible. If you angle it right, you can be outside of long range of the ship you're attacking with your interceptors and your TIE fighters, and still be able to command your squadrons. Uh, the pursuant title really helps with that, because on whatever turn you decide you need to run away from the fight, you can set a navigate dial, use skilled first officer to discard the top dial, whatever it was, probably a squadron, then reveal that navigate dial and discard pursuant to navigate and squadron in the same turn so you can turn away from the fight or speed up or slow down as you need to and still get all those squadrons to attack. Run away! <laughs> so last week I talked a little bit about using TIE fighters in lists and I didn't talk about TIE fighter aces very much and Andy, you had mentioned Howlrunner but some of the other ones that fit really well in Sloaner and anything else, really. I know uh, Mahler Mathel is one that we both use reasonably frequently, whose ability is if he lands engaging enemy squads, they all take damage. Yeah, Mahler is one of my favorite squadrons. He, he really gives you a lot of efficiency in the anti-squad game. Uh, he, can, he can slide into a lot of lists. In Sloan lists, he just makes killing the enemy fighter screen that much quicker, so you can get to getting rid of those ship defense tokens. Uh, I especially like to run him with an escort squadron because he's going to be one of the first targets that your opponent's fighters go for if they have a fighter screen. Yeah, he absolutely gets targeted if they if they can at all. Um, and then there's also the other tie fighter ace, uh, Valen Rudor, who I don't use as much. Yeah, so Valen Rudor is the squad. His ability is if you are engaged with another squadron and Valen, you cannot attack Valen. It's sort of like an inverse escort. It's basically the escort effect, but it's on Valen's card. Valen, because of his anti-squad armament of three black dice, I really like to use him to take out generics. Like, he has three black with swarm, so he averages about 2.5 damage. It's very common to see him dish out two damage and just one shot a tie. Exactly. And Sloan, in general, tends to be synonymous with aces. Uh, there's sort of the eight aces that Sloan likes to, likes to build. It's like Mauler, Howlrunner, Dengar, um, Sienna Re, as Ted mentioned before, uh, let's see, Valen Rudor, we've got, uh, am I forgetting here? Saber. We got Saber, thank you, Saber Squadron, and we've got Merrick Steele and his best bud, uh, Colonel Jendon. Those, those comprise what I believe is called the Hateful Eight. Um, it's sort of a 134 points of really powerful squads. It can take out your, it can take out your squadron ball, and it's got a ton of anti-squadron punch with Sloan. Or anti-ship punch, I'm sorry. I actually, 
I don't play Imperials very often, but I did have a little fun with an Imperial list recently, and I got to try that American Genton uh, little best buds team, and <laughs> that was actually a lot of fun to do. I might. It's very not fun to, to be that. on the receiving end. No. I know every time I play it, I'm like, oh, this is great. And every time someone hits me with it, it's just the worst. The thing with that Merrick Gendon combo is uh, Merrick attacks for two blue against ships, uh, and he can reroll. He can change a die to a crit, and he can reroll that with Sloan. So he can really, really fish for that accuracy to strip the token you need to. And then Gendon lets him attack twice. So you can really, really try and get two accuracies to just get rid of a brace or, or just go for the four damage. And he's almost guaranteed to get rid of, or at least spend one defense token. It's very likely. I don't remember the math on it, but it's, it's very likely. So what kind of objectives do you like to run with Sloan? So I would say if I had to pick one objective that I prefer most on Sloan, it would be superior positions. Uh, the thing with superior positions, the card itself reads, first player deploys all of their ships and squadrons before the second player, and then during the course of the game, if an attack is performed against the rear arc of a ship, and that damage is dealt, regardless of whether or not it was redirected, the attacking player gains a victory token worth 15 points. Uh, so squadrons benefit a lot from that because they have maneuverability and they get to attack more frequently than ships. So with Sloan, you're generally winning the squadron game because you have 134 points of squadrons and an admiral that boosts them. Well, it's not just 134 points of squadrons. Uh, it is 134 points of very anti-squadron-focused squadrons that also happen to now be good against ships. Exactly, and they still get the rerolls, assuming Sloan is alive. Um, but you can really rack up those tokens once you take out the enemy ships. I know I played a game against another player in our local meta. We were both playing sort of fighter-heavy, similar lists, uh, he destroyed my flagship, but I won the squadron game. And I was able to rack up so many tokens over the next two or three rounds of just chasing down his flagship that I ended up winning the game by 180 points or something like that. I really like playing superior positions as an objective, either as first or second player. I find it actually makes for a really fun game because you're usually doing a lot more dynamic flights around trying to get to their rear arcs and you're usually getting your squadrons more involved and how does that benefit like the quasar for having superior positions the quasar especially if you're playing sort of my my coward quasar uh you can position it behind whatever your main combat ship is again for me usually a star destroyer uh and you can position it to run away the first players already had to deploy everything in a ball in a in one part of the map you can say, all right, I'm going to put my Quasar as far away from that as possible while still being able to command squadrons. So it really enables that pursuant escape from the, escape from the enemy combat ship's maneuver. Great. So would you ever put your Admiral directly on the Quasar? Or would you usually put that on your larger defense ship? So for me, I tend to put Sloan on my Quasar for those two reasons. Number one... Sloan, or the Quasar is running away. We want to keep Sloan alive as long as possible to keep those squadrons strong. Uh, and number two, it makes your opponent kind of split their focus. Oh, I can destroy the big Star Destroyer, or I can try and destroy Sloan, whose squadrons are getting rid of all of my defense tokens. It makes it a, a, a really tough decision for them.
this the quasar isn't super difficult to destroy if you can get to it. So making them make that choice can be a little bit of a double-edged sword, I feel. Exactly. But if they're choosing to go out to my quasar, I've got a, a large ship that can still command squadrons if it needs to. That's true. A lot of people don't often command squadrons with an, a Star Destroyer, but they are very capable of it in two of their forms. Though speaking of squadrons, we also had one more interceptor that we hadn't touched on. Yeah, so the last interceptor ace is a Soontir or Soontir Fell. Um, Soontir's ability is after a squadron you are engaged with performs a non-counterattack. It suffers one damage if it did not attack you. He also has counter two and swarm. When I first started building my version of the Sloan list, what I had said to, to a few of other players here was, I'm not very good at the squadron game, so I'm going to learn the squadron game, or sorry, I'm going to choose not to play the squadron game by playing the squadron game so hard my opponent doesn't get to play it. <laughs> so I wanted to go for the strongest anti-squadron build I could. So in those eight squadrons I talked about earlier, I substituted Jendin for Soontir Fell. So that even if they wanted to attack me, I would have this squadron you have to attack, he's going to counter you, he gets more dice from Howl Runner on his counterattack, so you're just going to take that much more damage if you try and attack my squadrons. Doesn't he also get from Dengar as well? He does, yes, I'd forgotten about that one. So he has counter four, and if you choose not to attack him, you take one damage. And now on to Holonet News... Last week at Star Wars Celebration Chicago, Fantasy Flight Games announced that they will be releasing Star Wars Armada Clone Wars, slated for 2020. I am super excited. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hopefully running a general Obi-Wan fleet, because I know watching the Clone Wars uh, anim animated series, I really started to get enjoy the depth of his character that they got. I'm interested to see what separatist fleet options there are. I always... I, I play Imperials. I kind of like playing the villains. I don't know if they're really the villains. You decide that based on the lore, but... Separatists have some cool-looking ships. That's all I'm going to say. Personally, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they end up doing with maybe the droid armies, too. I mean, I probably would want to play Republic, since I usually play good guys, but I'm kind of interested in seeing what kind of mechanics they come up with for the droid armies. Agreed. There's a lot of uh, variety that I think they could add to the game. I know when they were talking about the Legion Clone Wars models and army styles, they said they really varied from the Imperial and Rebel uh, core, and I wonder if they're going to do something similar with Armada. Mm -hmm. But you know what kind of character we'll probably see again? Hondo! I do love Hondo. And he was originally from Clone Wars, so that would make sense for him to be in there. Mm -hmm. I was watching the uh, notes taken by people at Celebration, and I know one other thing they said is that Armada's not getting a 2.0 at this time. Good. <laughs> My understanding was it was a pretty hard no, yes. And I'm a fan of the 1.0 format, so I'm fine with that as far as I'm concerned. I feel like there's a couple little tweaks here and there that the game could use for just... Um, increasing the amount of flexibility and the usability of some things in the game, but I feel like FFG generally does a really good job of adding upgrades to the game in later expansions that kind of fix older stuff. Yeah, they have. there's a lot of, you know, 
later released upgrades that, um, and f- for example, you guys talked last week, I'm assuming, about uh, Rebellion in the Rim. Uh, Iden Versio was going to be great for the Raider. Yeah, the I, did, to I definitely dice. did talk about that for at least minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about it off of the podcast, too. Every day. <laughs> but yeah, as far as the 1.0 format goes, I, mean, I don't know if I should even call it the 1.0. It's just Armada. But it has such a fundamentally tight rule set, and the mechanics are well-defined, and things feel good the way the game is. I feel like expansions in the current system are better for the game than a rehaul. And I think overhaul. Sorry, having played some other tabletops that had very rapid expansion releases, I know we get a little sad that we only get Armada every six months to a year, maybe longer since Wave Seven. But I really like that we're given a good amount of time to get into the expansions and use those upgrade cards and experiment before the next thing hits that we're all starting to pull apart. Where there's some games that they get a release like every month, sometimes multiple releases, and by the time you even figure out what it's supposed to do, there's something new you got to look at on the table. And there's so many different options and just ways that you can combine the different ships that there's so much variety that you know you can kind of create your own new list really easily with just what's out there. There's almost a it's not a limitless number of combinations you can pull off, but it's uh, a big number that I'm not going to do the math on. I know even just this morning, I was talking with um, some, of my, some of our other friends in the local meta about, well, what if I changed, in this list I've been running for almost a year, what if I changed these two squadrons? And that was an interesting conversation. It still had merit to it. There was something that was actually going to be changed by that. Yeah, I know we discussed that a little bit today. And I definitely find one enjoyable part about Armada is building lists and coming up with new crazy ideas. That's half, half if not more, of the fun. And definitely half, if not more, of the time you spend interacting <laughs> with Armada. <laughs> I don't want to see my playtime on Armada Warlords. <laughs> yeah, ooh, that would be a good one. Anyway. That's the website, correct? Yeah, yes. that's one of the list builder websites up there with uh, Ryan Kingston's list builder. And there's, I think there's an Android app. I use Battlescribe, which most people can't stand, but I find it usable to just save stuff in my phone. I'm old-fashioned. I like to spread my cards out on the dining room table or the coffee table, look at them individually, and just kind of place them together. Yeah, that's and definitely a way to get them together, too. Mm-hmm. And that way all your cards are in the bag for when you need to start playing. Mm-hmm. I just storm as a horrendous mess. <laughs> yeah, I need to sort mine out. Remember, kids, sort your cards. Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was a bit pleasure to be here. This is Moff Ted. Senator Faith. And Baron Andy. May the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>